Rajagriha, Vulture Peak Mountain, together with the great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called Profound Illumination. And at the same time, Noble Evaluteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way, he saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Then, through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to Noble Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, How should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, Noble Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita should see in this way. Seeing five skandhas to be empty of nature, form is emptiness, emptiness also is form, emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics, there is no birth and no cessation, there is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, and emptiness there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye, datu, up to no mind, datu, no datu of dharmas, no mind consciousness, datu. No ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth since there is no deception. Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Te Yata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisoha. Thus Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that Samadhi and praised Noble Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and gandharvas rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>
So today, again, we'll be going over the beginning section of Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. Um, and what is the true meaning of this text? The meaning of this text is the exact same meaning that the lamp for the path to enlightenment by Lord Atisha contains because this text is considered a commentary on that great work. And if we look at the work, The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment by Atisha, we'll find that it has four specific qualities about it. Um, and that is summarized in the great treatise in the stage of the path to enlightenment in the int this introductory section, where it states that it contains all of the conqueror's speech. Uh, so all of the teachings of the Buddha, both the Hinayana and Mahayana, the Sutra teachings, the Tantric teachings, all of these teachings are contained in a condensed format um, in Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, which contains the exact same subject matter as this text, which is a commentary on it called The Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa. The second quality that Atisha's Lamp contains is that it contains all of the meaning of the uh, teachings given by the two great trailblazers. The great trailblazers are referring to the master Asanga and uh, the master Nagarjuna. Uh, so these Indian Pandits uh, um, teachings are contained in a summarized fashion in the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. Uh, and therefore, they are the contents of the great treatise on the stage of the Path to Enlightenment because it is a commentary on that root text. 
the third point is that it uh, brings one to the Buddha ground. So, because it contains the stages of the path to bring beings to uh, actual Buddhahood, it is considered a great vehicle text uh, because it brings the practitioner to uh, the ground or the, the land of the Buddha. Uh, so it allows one to uh, realize his or her own Buddhahood. And then the fourth point uh, about it is that it contains the stages of the path for beings of three capacities in, in a complete manner. Um, so, uh, because all of these four qualities are the qualities of the lamp for the path to enlightenment, and because it's considered the root text that this text, the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment, is a commentary on, we can state that this text also contains those same exact points in a less abbreviated fashion, but still in an abbreviated format. So it contains all the conqueror's speech, the speech of the two trailblazers, it brings one to the state of Buddhahood, and contains the three scopes, or the stages of the path for beings of three types of uh, capacity. <laughs> So, if we look at the two uh, traditions um, uh, uh, that come from uh, India, the ancient traditions of explaining teachings, we find that there are two specific traditions. There's the tradition of the Nalanda tradition, and that way of explaining the teaching goes by a way of the three purities. Uh, so the purity um, uh, of the speech of the master, the, um, uh, the purity of the mind of the disciple, and then the purity of the teaching that is going to be explained. So uh, the um, Nalanda Monastery um, uh, explains teachings by way of those three purities. Uh, the second tradition um, is called the Vikrama Lashila tradition, um, and it explains things according to the three greatnesses. Uh, the greatness of the teachings author uh, um, in, in order to show that it's of noble origin, uh, the greatness of the teaching in order to gain, uh, for the practitioner to gain respect for it or to gain respect for the instructions, and the greatness of listening to and the greatness of uh, um, explaining the teaching and how one does that in order to, for it to be a greatness. Um, so uh, that's the, the, the third category in the Vikramalashila tradition. So Lama Tsongkhapa is uh, chosen to explain this particular teaching by way of the uh, Vikramalashila tradition instead of the Nalanda tradition. <laughs> So, the first section uh, showing the greatness of the uh, teachings author 
in order to show that uh, um, uh, he or she is of, of noble origin. Um, uh, it shows that Lord Atisha, uh, the first section is to show that Lord Atisha was born into a noble lineage, to show that he was born uh, um, into a kingdom, his father being the king, uh, obviously mother being the queen, and uh, he was the middle of three sons. Uh, so and that he was born into uh, the, the city um, uh, in Bengal uh, that was east of, east of, of India. Um, so the introduction section that shows uh, that he's from noble origin shows the lineage that he took birth into and explains basically his background and birthplace, etc. Um, so this is where the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment begins um, by way of explaining the greatness of the author um, and then first showing a little bit of Atisha's background. Mm -hmm. So the next section uh, shows how upon the basis of that um, um, base, uh, how upon that basis and here basis is referring to uh, the basis of his noble lineage and his family and his background and who Atisha was so how upon that basis he uh, achieved his excellent qualities so uh, the first section refer, uh, deals with how he gained his excellent qualities relative to the scriptural um, learning or scriptural doctrine and then the second section uh, shows how upon that basis he gained his excellent qualities relative to the realizational doctrine um, so here we have good qualities of scriptural knowledge and good qualities of experiential knowledge so uh, um, that's the next section um, and then <coughs> beginning uh, and then the first section of how he gained his excellent qualities of scriptural doctrine uh, shows how he became a great scholar um, and became very famous in all of the different areas of learning. Uh, he became a great scholar um, in the, the different forms of the 64 arts and crafts and Sanskrit language and philosophy and things of, uh, that were common to Buddhists and, uh, and non-Buddhists and things that were exclusive in both traditions. So uh, Lord Atisha um, became at a very young age a great scholar in all of the various areas of knowledge. Um, so it shows that he gained this scriptural uh, um, um, qualities, this excellent quality of, scri of scriptural knowledge uh, by <coughs> learning all of these different subjects. <laughs> And then, because he was urged by his root lamas and various deities uh, um, uh, and gods to become ordained, he then uh, took full ordination um, and took the vows of a fully ordained monk um, because of uh, uh, um, the deities and, and teachers um, telling him that it would be of great benefit if he were to do so. <laughs> Lesson. 
And then uh, he uh, began to receive initiations and the complete set of instructions in the Tantric tradition uh, by the Master Rahula at the Great Black Mountain Temple. Um, and he received all of the different initiations and became a great scholar in Tantric or Mantric tradition. <laughs> Lesser. And then uh, he became a great scholar of all of the different areas of knowledge, those that were common to Buddhists, um, uh, um, uh, and uh, those common to all Buddhists, and those teachings that were uncommon within the, even the Buddhist tradition. So if we look at the all of the different tenets of instruction within the Buddhist tradition, Lord Atisha became a great scholar of each and every one of those traditions um, uh, within the Buddhist tradition, and then also became a great scholar relative to non-Buddhist traditions and all of the areas of knowledge uh, within those. Um, so he became uh, a great, great scholar of the three scriptural collections and then of all of the other um, um, areas of knowledge. And, and even by age of 21, he had mastered uh, these 64 um, arts. Uh, um, they're called the 64 arts at the age of 21. So um, by, by the time that he was 31 years old, he had mastered all of the, the different scriptural collections of the higher and lower schools and the non-Buddhist traditions as well. So this refers to So then after showing how Lord Atisha gained all of these excellent qualities relative to the scriptural knowledge, uh, then it goes to show how he gained his uh, experiential knowledge or how he uh, achieved the state of realizational doctrine. And uh, then uh, it shows that how through studying these, uh, um, the three baskets, the um, sutra basket, the um, uh, abhidharma basket, um, and the vinaya basket, um, he gained his qualities um, and then engaged in the practices that are connected with those, back, uh, those baskets uh, called the three highest higher trainings, the highest higher training in ethics, highest higher training in concentration, and highest higher training in wisdom. So then, Lama Tsongkhapa, uh, in this section uh, that deals with his excellent qualities of um, experiential knowledge or uh, uh, realizational doctrine, 
It begins with Atisha's training in ethics, um, which is the first highest higher training, the highest higher training in ethics. And then that, begin, uh, that then is broken down into three categories, uh, the training in ethics of the individual liberation vow, the training of ethics in the bodhisattva vow, and the training of ethics in the Vajrayana vow, or the tantric vows. And then after showing uh, how Atisha gained these excellent qualities um, uh, relative to the three highest higher trainings, um, then it goes on to show what he did to further the doctrine or to, to uh, propagate the teachings uh, um, because of this scriptural and realizational knowledge that he had achieved. And first begins with what he did in India uh, and then explains what he did in, in Tibet. And beginning in India, it shows how in Bodhagaya um, uh, he was able to uh, defeat uh, the non-Buddhist scholar uh, three times by using uh, various forms of logic uh, to uh, get rid of um, uh, instructions that were uh, mistaken or wrong, um, uh, and, and also to clarify the instructions that were mistaken or wrong within the Buddhist schools as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Atisha was very kind to Tibet because he stayed for 17 years um, in Tibet um, and during those 17 years created many texts. Uh, the the um, main text that we refer to is the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. Uh, that he wrote while he was in Tibet, um, and also uh, during those 17 years, he clean, he cleansed the teachings of defilements and stains. Uh, some the teachings uh, within the Buddhist tradition would become contaminated uh, and would become incorrect. So Atisha, during those 17 years, uh, just like one cleans a cloth of a stain, cleansed the teachings of our, uh, cleansed all of the teachings of their errors. So it is stated that there are three ideal qualifications um, for an author to possess uh, in order for uh, him or her to be the most ideal or the best type of author. Um, And it's said that uh, if someone possesses even one of the qualities, then they're uh, 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 considered a qualified author, or two of the qualities, they're considered a qualified author. Um, But Atisha is said to possess all three of these ideal qualifications. And the first ideal qualifications is that uh, uh, he or she should have mastered the five subjects of knowledge. So Lord Atisha had done that. 
and that should possess instructions, the second, possess instructions that are the key points for practicing the meaning of the topics of Buddhist knowledge that have been transmitted in an unbroken lineage through the excellent beings from the perfect Buddha. Uh, so that's the second quality that Lord Atisha possessed. And third, that he or she should receive permission to compose the text uh, in, a vision, in a vision from his or her chosen deity. Um, and this uh, qualification was met uh, by Lord Atisha. Um, so we see that Lord Atisha um, is the best author uh, that there can be because he possesses um, all three of the ideal qualifications for an author uh, to be uh, um, legitimate. Um, so this is why it's stated that um, the, the, uh, he is a great master, and it says here, endowed with all three of the ideal qualifications. So then uh, um, the next section deals with the actual Lamrim merit field uh, and the lineage that the Lamrim, uh, uh, which is translated into English as the stages of the path. So the stages of the path tradition comes from. Uh, so the lineage uh, is broken down into three categories. Uh, the extensive deeds lineage, the profound view lineage, and then the lineage of uh, um, um, blessings of practice, uh, the practice of blessings lineage. It's called a couple of other things. And here it's called the lineage of blessings, but pra the word practice is also in there. So it's the lineage of uh, practice, blessings practice, or something of that nature. So uh, if we look at the, the merit field itself, we see to if we're... Uh, speaking of it from the Buddhist uh, side, um, to the right um, of the Buddha, we find the lineage of the extensive deeds, um, which uh, is for passed down from Lord Maitreya to a Sangha, 
um, and then eventually uh, uh, Salimpa and, and, and uh, to Atisha. Um, so that's the extensive deeds lineage. So if we, that's uh, on to the right of Buddha. To the left of, of Buddha, we find the profound view lineage, uh, which begins with Manjushri um, and is then passed down to Lord Nagarjuna um, Chandrakirti, then to Bene. Then to then to Atisha. Um, so that's the extent, the profound view lineage, which goes from Manjushri, Nagarjuna, various other masters, then uh, uh, eventually to Atisha. Um, and then the lineage of blessings of instruction uh, is the lineage that we find going uh, in the center, um, uh, down uh, um, into the, uh, the, the central deity of the merit field, and that's the lineage of blessings, and that starts with Vajradhara, the Tilopa, Naropa, and then eventually, uh, the name, uh, then eventually ends up at Lord Atisha. Um, so Lord Atisha is said to possess all of these three uh, different lineages, uh, the uh, extensive deeds lineage, the profound view lineage, and then the lineage of uh, blessings, of pra practice of blessings. Um, so then, if we look at the merit field, that's the order uh, of cent of above uh, the above center, and then right and left of the uh, central figure, uh, the deity. Uh, here is referring to Atisha, and then we would see below the um, central figure uh, his or her uh, lamas uh, or teachers, and then uh, below that the deities of the four classes of tantra the deities of highest yoga tantra, yogic tantra, um, performance tantra, and action tantra, and then the various different buddhas, the 35 buddhas, um, and then the medicine buddhas, um, and then the um, bodhisattva, Darius bodhisattvas, um, and then below the bodhisattvas, the um, hearers and the solitary realizers, um, and then last, the, the uh, protector deities. Um, so this would be the order uh, within the Lam Rim merit field, uh, uh, that we would find all of the, the deities um, and, and lamas um, in. Uh, so to the right of the, uh, the Buddha, the extensive deeds lineage, to the left of the Buddha, the um, uh, profound view, uh, the crown, coming down to the crown of the Buddha, the um, blessings practice lineage, um, uh, and then below, uh, beginning with the, the root teachers, then the four classes of Tantra, the various Buddhas, the medicine Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, here is solitary realizers and protectors. So if we can f uh, familiarize ourselves uh, um, uh, with this, and that's word I'm using is actually translated a lot as meditate on, uh, but the word is really familiarized with. So if we can meditate upon this merit field and all of the inhabitants in the way we've just explained, then when we make the seven limb prayer, or we make offerings or prostrations, uh, if we have this as our object of observation, then we can g uh, gain a, a vast <coughs> amount of merit. Uh, 
So looking at the uh, merit fields uh, and these three lineages of instruction, we find that Lord Atisha possessed all of them. Uh, so what significance does that have? If we look at first the profound view lineage, um, which is to the uh, left of, of the Buddha, or uh, to, the, uh, to the left of the central figure, uh, in this case Atisha, in the merit field, we'll, we'll find that uh, that lineage of instruction comes from Manjushri, and then from first, I'm sorry, from Buddha, Shakyamuni, then to Manjushri, then to Nagarjuna, and then eventually to uh, Ripi Kushu Chonwa, and then to Lord Atisha. And that lineage of instruction dealt with the uh, Middle Way philosophy. And in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, we find many negations, many statements, there is no this, there is no that, etc., etc. And the explanation of the lack of true establishment of those objects that are seemingly negated can be found in the profound view lineage passed down from the Lord Nagarjuna to eventually end up uh, uh, in Atisha's um, uh, 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 lineage. Uh, so that lineage is responsible for the explanation of the middle way and the explanation of the emptiness found within the texts such as the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Also within the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, we find a mantra that says, Teata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisoha. And that mantra implicitly contains all of the different uh, paths that lead uh, one to Buddhahood. So the uh, five Mahayana paths, uh, the ten Bodhisattva grounds, um, all of these things uh, and the five Mahayana paths referring to the path of accumulation, the path of preparation, the path of seeing, the path of meditation, and the path of no more learning. Um, all of these paths and grounds that, uh, and their explanation can be found in the extensive deeds lineage uh, texts. Uh, so the texts that were passed down from Buddha to Maitreya to Asanga uh, to Salimpa, then to, uh, uh, through various masters, then to Salimpa, uh, and then to Lord Atisha, um, uh, uh, we find those instructions. So the instructions that deal with the paths and the grounds uh, um, of the Hinayana and Mahayana. Um, so uh, Atisha possessed that lineage uh, of instruction. And then that other lineage... Um, uh, called the, the instructions, uh, I'm sorry, the practice blessings lineage um, that was passed down 
uh, from Buddha uh, Vajradhara to um, uh, Tilopa and Naropa, and then uh, to Drupepa, to and then to Atisha, um, dealt with all the tantric teachings and the different classes of tantra. So uh, we find uh, uh, a very important uh, focal point in each of these three lineages, and we uh, we say that. Uh, Atisha is an ideal teacher and uh, the most qualified teacher because he possessed all of the instructions within all of those lineages. <coughs> so the tantric tradition of uh, uh, all of the tantric traditions and teachings would be found in the lineage of uh, um, uh, um, practice of blessings. Probably what it is. What the Tantra lineage got the job to the Chamber Smoyor is my Smoyor. The Nema, the Lunar, the Mahiogunus. So this uh, Tantric lineage comes from the uh, beginning with Vajradhara, uh, then to Tilopa and Naropa, uh, and then uh, um, eventually to uh, Lord Atisha uh, through Drupepa. What you thought the name? Dangalo Chudis, Livelihood, Tatagan, Let's go, Roger.
So uh, here it says that he was able to uh, master determine the intent of the conqueror. So the intent of the conqueror refers to the, the um, different turnings of the wheel of Dharma that the Buddha gave. The Buddha gave the first turning of the wheel of Dharma in Varanasi where he stated that this is the superior <coughs> truth of suffering, uh, this is the superior truth of origin, this is the superior truth of cessation, and this is the superior truth of path. Um, and then the second turning of the wheel of Dharma, the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, and then the third turning of the wheel of Dharma, the wheel of uh, good determination. Uh, um, so the, and then the Buddha also gave va various other teachings, including the Tantric teachings. So uh, here, this is what uh, the um, scriptural uh, doctrine would be referring to when we uh, uh, um, uh, are saying scriptural doctrine and speaking specifically about the doctrine or dharma, and we're speaking of it uh, um, exclusively uh, relative to Buddhism. Um, so here it says the intent of the conqueror, the intent of the conqueror here meaning the, um, uh, all of the teachings that the conqueror uh, had given. Um, so, the neck, the rimche, the shulupa, then the lichtenje, Baba Vega. Lesser. 
So Baba Vega uh, wrote was in the lineage of uh, the Nagarjuna, uh, so it would be in the profound view lineage, um, and wrote the Blaze of, of Reasoning, uh, which was the commentary on the heart of the Middle Way, um, and then uh, other uh, um, uh, um, other commentaries about the Middle Way view. So, but it stated that he also uh, created the new autonomy school. So the Middle Way autonomy school, um, it, it said, uh, Rinpoche Singh almost created the, a new autonomy school, or uh, uh, reinvigorated, I don't know if it's new, which would be a more pure translation, but Baba Vega was re responsible for writing texts that uh, almost reignited the uh, Middle Way Autonomy School, one of the divisions of the uh, 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 Middle Way or Madhyamaka uh, schools. Uh, so, um, now going back to the text, um, so when we're looking at the, the different um, gurus that Atisha has, all of the gurus um, uh, were instructed by these great masters that we find in the lineage that were either uh, uh, masters themselves or instructed directly by deities who gave them the instructions to pass on to their disciples. So um, it's showing how the uh, author uh, contained this excellent lineage that was uh, 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 complete, that, that, that was not lacking or or are missing any of the qualities that would be necessary. ちょうど差し出てる。うん。だってまたじゃんけめんとびちょうだ。てんばてかれるさな。てんばたじゃんけめんとびちょうだ。てんばてかれるさな。てんばたじゃんけめんとびちょうだ。だってまたじゃんけ
so the the next section is the greatness of the teaching itself. Um, so uh, the teaching has four qualities in the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. We find these uh, this four qualities, and uh, first is that it is uh, the greatness of enabling one to know that all the teachings are free of contradiction, or that none of the, te the teachings are uh, mutually exclusive. Uh, the greatness of enabling one to understand that all scriptures are instructions for practice. Uh, the next is the greatness of enabling one to easily find the conqueror's intent. And the next is the greatness of enabling one to refrain, refrain automatically from uh, great wrongdoing. So, uh, the, these are the four four sections under the greatness of the teaching uh, that show uh, why uh, they are great and then help one to engender respect for Uh -huh. The tangent is 
Then changes down the Madu, then by Yena, Colotomy, which Chow Maris. Less Sanji, Zoom, Dotanga, Samalo, then by Lesser, Go ahead. So um, here we have those four categories of uh, the, the greatness of the, the teachings and the qualities that it actually elicits in a practitioner or a student. Um, so the first, the greatness of enabling one to know that all the teachings are free of contradiction or, or that they are not mutually exclusive begins with a quote from uh, Avalokita Vrata's uh, commentary on the Lamp for Wisdom. The Lamp for Wisdom is a text written by Baba Vega. Um, uh, and this is a commentary on that text. Um, so this says, uh, Concerning teachings, the scriptures of the Bhagavan accurately teach uh, that that which is to be thoroughly known and that which is to be eliminated, that which is to be manifested and that which is to be cultivated by deities and humans who wish to attain uh, the ambrosial state. Uh, um, so uh, uh, the Dutsi, the Chowa so here, um, the conquerors, the teachings here that we find uh, um, uh, refer specifically, that <coughs> word teachings uh, in the English, it says truth. 
so the, the translators have made it easier uh, to understand, but in the Tibetan text it says, uh, concerning truth, the scriptures of the Bhagavan. Uh, so here the truth refer to that which is a teaching given by the Buddha. Any teaching given by the Buddha would fall into the category. It seems simple because you're just looking at teachings here, uh, just because it's been converted into some, uh, made simpler. Uh, um, but it would require commentary, usually, um, uh, if we were looking at the root. Uh, so the teachings here refer to that which was taught by the Buddha. Um, and if we say, give an example of that which is taught by the Buddha, we would say, uh, the first turning of the wheel of Dharma, that this is the superior truth of suffering, this is the superior truth of origin, this is the superior truth of cessation, and this is the superior truth of path. But if we were to say that uh, um, that if it is truth, it is necessarily that, uh, the, the, the content of the first turning of the wheel, we would say that it is not, that's an incorrect statement. Uh, because there are things that fall under the category of teaching or truth, which are not necessarily found in the first turning of the wheel of Dharma. So we can't say that that's pervasive, that uh, any turning of the wheel uh, that has been given uh, has to be contained within a statement in order for it to be considered truth or teaching. Because the Buddha gave many different teachings, sutra, tantra, etc. So uh, the word teaching here refers to anything that was taught by the Buddha. Um, and it actually should say truth instead of teaching. So anything that was taught by the Buddha. Um, so we can say that uh, the the, four, the first turning of the wheel was necessarily taught by the Buddha, but if it was taught by the Buddha, it was not necessarily during the first turning of the wheel of Dharma. So uh, this is what the, the truth would refer to. And then here it says, uh, uh, um, accustom, accurately teach that which is to be thoroughly known and that which is to be eliminated. So all of the things that one needs to gain, all the excellent qualities that are necessary to achieve the state of uh, Buddhahood and all of the negative negativities or the abandonments that uh, have to be abandoned in order to achieve the state uh, of enlightenment. Um, and it says that which is to be manifested and which is to be cultivated by deities and humans who wish to attain the ambrosial state of a non-abiding nirvana. And here a non-abiding nirvana refers to the cessation of a Buddha. Um, so the cessation of a Buddha is called the non-abiding nirvana, because um, there's no abiding. Uh, um, so this is considered, this is the cessation of a Buddha. And the reason that we state uh, for deities and humans is because that is the ideal basis from which to achieve that state of a non-abiding nirvana, the cessation that a Buddha has. Um, yes, we state that all sentient beings necessarily possess the Buddha lineage or Buddha nature, um, but we state that various forms of sentient beings have a better basis for achieving that goal, and deities and humans are a better basis for achieving that goal, and that's why it's mentioned here. But that's not to say uh, that uh, other beings do not possess Buddha nature or Buddha lineage. It's stating that the best basis for the achievement of those goals is as a human being uh, or as a deity. But yes, beings in the lower realm, the hell beings, hungry ghost, animal beings, all of those beings possess Buddha nature. 
um, because they possess mental consciousness, so therefore they necessarily have this Buddha nature or Buddha potential. But the humans and gods possess the best basis to achieve that state from. Um, and then it says to attain the ambrosial state, and then parentheses of a non-abiding nirvana. That refers to, again, the cessation that a Buddha has. Now last week, now that uh, specific instruction that was just given is in a commentary by the, the Delpa Su. So Basu Chuji Jetson wrote the commentary um, on that Rinpoche is using to give that explanation about the ambrosial state uh, and, the, and the deities and, and gods. Last week we gave the explanation according to the small scope which this particular section falls into. Uh, so we could uh, look at that explanation according to the small scope and we could uh, um, 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 interpret this quote according to the small scope since we're in the small scope section where we spoke of the deities and humans being the ambrosial state. But in this other Basu Chuji Jetson's commentary, it's explained according to the great vehicle, uh, um, uh, um, uh, it, according, according to the great vehicle literature, and then it explains that the human <laughs> basis is the best for achieving Buddhahood, or the cessation of a Buddha. Um, so it's a different interpretation than the one giving last week. Um, and that's the reason for it, the difference in interpretation, because the small scope interpretation would be different than the great scope inter interpretation. Uh, and Basu Chuji Jetson was a, a relative of Kirtubje, um, and uh, was relative. So they were a relative of uh, Kirtubje. And uh, they were, uh, he wrote commentary on the great treatise of the stages of the path to enlightenment and was also Kon de Lamatsum Kappa Getru. And he saw, it was a, a student of Lamatsum Kappa. Basu Chuji Jetson was a student of Lamatsum Kappa. <laughs> Sanjay Jenny Bowles, Sanjay Katanje, Tambatanji, Gemma, Tushi, Tambatanji, Lesser. 
So then it says, thus the teachings are what the conqueror explained well. And again, the word uh, truth is in the Tibetan. So it says, thus the truth is what the conqueror explained well. And truth has two categories, scriptural truth and realizational truth. Uh, and this would fall into the category of scriptural truth because we find the, the scriptural uh, um, uh, reference to the scriptures here specifically. So uh, this would fall under that category of scriptural truth. So it says, uh, truth is what the conqueror explains. So anything that the Lord Buddha gave an explanation of would be considered truth. And then the two categories of truth, scriptural and realizational, this falling under the category of scriptural truth. So, the, now, it's sh uh, the next section is showing that there is no contradiction in any of the teachings that the Buddha gave, meaning that we can't say that they are mutually exclusive, that they are either uh, the root of the teachings or the branches. So, uh, they're uh, either direct pathways uh, to or branches that lead to direct pathways to Buddhahood. Um, so, uh, we wouldn't say, because uh, uh, there are many different illnesses, um, uh, doctors have to prescribe many different kinds of medicine. So, we wouldn't say that because a doctor gives medicine for tuberculosis that is different than the medicine that he or she gives for cancer, uh, um, and then the medicine that he or she gives for, though diabetes being different than the other two, uh, we can't say that because there's different medicines prescribed that there is a contradiction in some way here. Uh, we have to state that different medicines are prescribed for the different illnesses because each of those illnesses require a different uh, opponent or uh, a, different, um, uh, uh, yeah, a different opponent uh, to eradicate. So a doctor uh, diagnoses uh, what the illness is and then prescribes the medicine that is appropriate for the person who has whatever uh, illness he or she has. Um, so you can't, the doctor couldn't just give everybody one pill um, and expect that to cure all illness. And just because the doctor doesn't give everyone, everyone one pill 
for all the different illnesses, that doesn't mean that he or she is contradictory or contradicting medicine. Um, it's just uh, um, prescribing to the needs of that particular patient. Um, so, um, in the Buddha's case, the Buddha gave various different kinds of teachings uh, because he recognized that each and every individual had different needs. Uh, some practitioners fell into the smaller scope of explanation and their needs, uh, um, because of their um, uh, attachment to specific tenets within non-Buddhist traditions, uh, um, um, were different than those who were practitioners of, say, the teachings of the medium scope or the teachings of the great scope. So the Buddha recognized that each and every individual had different needs and gave teachings that were for the needs of that specific individual. Uh, so we can't say that the point that the Buddha was being contradictory because the Buddha was just teaching to the scope of the individual, but the goal of all of those teachings was exactly the same, a pathway that would lead directly to Buddhahood or enlightenment or a, 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 a branch that would lead to that pathway which would lead to enlightenment. So all of the pronouncements of the Buddha, even though they seem different, were given <coughs> to benefit sentient beings uh, in some way and were given to lead all sentient beings to exactly the same place. Um, so the Buddha taught to scope. Um, so it's, it's stated that all of the Buddha's teachings uh, no matter how different they are, uh, lead beings to the same exact place. Um, so it's the same as a doctor prescribing different things uh, to lead a being to achieve the state of health, ultimately. So the, the Buddha is like a doctor that uh, diagnoses uh, um, each and everyone's illness and gives a specific prescription for the individual's specific needs. Um, so uh, there are times that um, Buddhist, non-Buddhist practitioners came to Buddha and asked if there was a true self uh, or if there was a, a truly established self. And the Buddha at times responded that yes, there was a truly established self. So we even find in the tenet systems within Buddhism where the, the great exposition school, Vabhashaka, the um, sutra school, Satrantaka, the mind-only school, Chittamantra, uh, and the Madhyamaka, the middle way school, the Madhyamaka, uh, we find uh, that even in the, the lower schools of sutra school uh, and the um, Great Exposition School and Mind Only School, and even the Middle Way Autonomy School, the lower of the Middle Way schools, assertions of inherent existence to some degree uh, of objects. Um, so we find even with, within uh, the higher systems assertions of, of uh, some sort of uh, essence that the highest school completely negates. 
um, uh, relative to objects. So um, all of these things were, were, were taught for the purpose of aiding beings in their journey, or their, their, path, their it's really journey, quest, or, or path, pathway. So the Buddha was a great scholar relative to method, uh, the method of getting beings to the state of a Buddha ground. So all of these things would uh, build upon each other, so an pr individual practitioner would uh, take uh, all of this information and then apply more information and more information and then eventually that information would lead him or her to the same uh, place which is the ultimate goal uh, within Buddhism and that is uh, um, um, complete Buddhahood. Um, and one thing I missed from before, uh, when we were speaking of what the abandonments are, uh, the abandonments and that was ch it just to be eliminated. Um, in the case of the great vehicle instruction, it's the afflictive obstructions and the obstructions to omniscience that are that which are to be eliminated because one is trying to achieve the complete state of Buddhahood and both of those things must be abandoned in order to achieve that result. So the Buddha is uh, uh, knowing uh, uh, these th knowing about individuals' needs uh, taught to their scopes, and it's similar to uh, how we would first teach a small child uh, certain things that uh, um, uh, were appropriate for uh, their age bracket. Um, uh, so it's in, it's similar to that. So what we would teach a, a small child um, um, uh, initially. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't include all of the advices, or wouldn't be all wouldn't be all inclusive. So these were all a, me a method. This was skillful means to uh, get uh, beings to accomplish the ultimate goal of of Buddhahood or achievement of the Buddha ground. <laughs> So thus, thus the, the teachings are what the conqueror explained well. Here in the context of the lamp of the path to enlightenment, to know that all the teachings are free of contradiction means to understand that they are all the path by which one person becomes a Buddha. Some are the main points of the path, some are the various branches of the path. Uh, that's it. Um, so, um, all of uh, these, these things uh, uh, that the Buddha taught um, become pathways which lead a being to uh, enlightenment. So, 
It says some are various branches of the path. So the teachings on suffering, the teachings on impermanence, um, uh, and, and so forth would be considered the branches of the path. And the teachings on the wisdom realizing emptiness would be considered the root of the path. The, the teachings on the mind that aspires to enlightenment would be considered the root of the path. Um, so we find that all of the points that the Buddha made uh, contained information that would lead an individual to the place of enlightenment or Buddhahood. What did you say? ตาคัจจิลาจิโตคัจจิลาจิยะละยะละจิเตปะโยวะโวตะลาชาจุเซมปะนาจิเยนเตนเนจิเตนจิเตนตุปะยิลาสะชาจุเซมปะโซกิจ
Um, and it says, because they engender in others certain knowledge that accords with their own, the wise apply themselves always and without mistake. And then uh, it's another uh, quote from Dharmakirti's uh, text called The Commentary on the Compendium of Valid Cognition, Pramanavartikarika. It says, it's difficult to explain to others the results of causes that are obscure to oneself. Um, so here, the points that are being made is that a bodhisattva um, must learn all of the different areas of knowledge. And here, uh, when we, we speak of the uh, um, truth, or speaking of all of the different truths within the hearers, the solitary realizers, uh, and the bodhisattva's uh, vehicles. Um, so uh, a bodhisattva must um, be able to um, um, teach and explain all of the information contained within those lineages because of all of the different types of beings that there are and that their needs are different, so the bodhisattvas have to be able to fulfill those needs of each and every uh, one of the in, of those individuals. Um, so, um, and then here, where the quote says, because they in, engender in others certain knowledge that accords with their own, um, and, and then the next one t talks about it's the difficulty of explaining to others things that are obscure to oneself. So the two points here that are being made is that one first must recognize anyway uh, the, uh, the desire to definitely emerge for him or herself, recognize what the, the different meanings of all of the teachings are uh, in order to want to uh, free anyone from, from their situation. <coughs> so if, for instance, if we look at the Four Noble Truths and uh, the truth of uh, the statements that were made, this is the superior truth of suffering, this is the superior truth of origin, uh, this is the superior truth of cessation, and this is the superior truth of path. Um, and if one doesn't know that those four <coughs> statements contain two cause and effect relationships uh, and two methods to achieve two specific goals, one being suffering and one being the cessation of suffering, uh, then one can't possibly uh, help others uh, uh, to understand it, and one can't possibly aid anyone in their journey if he or she hasn't already, uh, if, if, that, if one hasn't already uh, realized the, the, those things, uh, him or herself. So uh, if one doesn't recognize that the truth of suffering um, is caused by the truth of origin, so origin is the method that achieves the state of suffering. Um, and then one doesn't recognize that the pathway is the method that allows one to achieve the state of cessation, uh, then it's impossible to explain those things to others. So it's necessary for the bodhisattva to recognize all areas of knowledge so he or she can be beneficial to all beings. But and also, in order for them to truly help them, it's necessary to understand the things that uh, um, they are teaching themselves very clearly. Um, so, uh, without uh, having the, the method themselves, it's impossible to communicate the method to others in order to benefit them. Uh, so, this is the point that's being stressed here, uh, the, the, the point that the Bodhisattva must uh, um, understand uh, for him or herself all of the different topics in order to even uh, go out and be of benefit, but also, 
uh, he or she can't be of benefit without that knowledge uh, um, anyway. Um, so it's not possible to do the work without the knowledge, um, and then the knowledge itself is what the beings need. So uh, those two things uh, together prove that it's necessary for the bodhisattva to master all areas of knowledge in order to benefit the world. And here the world has in parentheses all living beings. So, in order for a bodhisattva to be completely beneficial to all beings, it would be necessary to, in order to fulfill others' needs, to understand every scope of teaching. It's not uh, okay for a bodhisattva to say, I'm a great vehicle practitioner, so I, I don't uh, um, teach or practice the, the hearer vehicle or the solitary realizer vehicle, or even non-Buddhist traditions. The bodhisattva must be skilled and understand Christianity, must be skilled and understand Hinduism. Uh, uh, it's necessary uh, in, uh, in order to help all beings to understand all of the tools that are there to help all beings. So this is why uh, it's stated that the bodhisattva must know all of these things in order to uh, um, uh, the the dun in order to uh, in order to uh, realize the needs of others. Uh, he or she has to uh, understand all of the the tools to fulfill those needs, the, or all of the yeah, the tools. The the yeah, that's it. That's the the word. The tools. <laughs> So the Bodhisattva has, as his or her object of observation, uh, um, all sentient beings. And uh, the, the Bodhisattva's um, um, motivation, or the... Uh, let, me, let me go back to the beginning. The, bodhis the object of observation of the love and compassion uh, that the Bodhisattva has is all sentient beings. So because all sentient beings are the object of observation of that love and compassion, it's necessary to know how to fulfill the needs of those individual beings uh, uh, if one wishes to uh, free them from suffering and bring them to a state of happiness. <coughs> So it's very obvious um, when we look at even uh, you know, the regular school system. If one wants to be an English teacher, in order to teach students English, he or she has to learn English. If one wants to be a science teacher, he or she has to learn science, history, grammar, all of these topics. It's necessary first for the teacher to understand the topics thoroughly, him or herself, and then teach them. 
so the Four Noble Truths, for instance, uh, the truth of suffering, origin, cessation, and path, have to be understood in order for them to be presented to other beings. By stating those benefactors of beings who accomplish the good of the world through the knowledge of paths, uh, Ajita uh, um, indicates in the ornament for, of clear knowledge, Ajita here refers to Maitreya, uh, Maitreya indicates in the ornament for clear realization, Abhisama Alamkara, that knowing the paths of the three vehicles is the method for the bodhisattvas to achieve the goal they have set. So the goal they have set is to bring all sentient beings to a state of Buddhahood. Um, so uh, it's stated by Lord Maitreya in that text that knowing those th paths of the three vehicles is how he or she accomplishes those goals. And then there's a quote from the there's a quote from the um, uh, mother of conquerors. Uh, it's a sutra that means the uh, eighteen thousand verse perfection of wisdom sutra, um, and it says bodhisattvas should practice, uh, should produce all paths. Whatever is a path of Shravaka, a Prachika Buddha, or a Buddha, and should know all paths. They should also perform the deeds of these paths and bring all of them uh, to completion. Uh, so the Bodhisattva uh, can't discard any among the different the three three paths uh, because it, it's necessary for them uh, to um, have all of this knowledge to perform the deeds of these paths and the deeds are uh, the realizations that occur and then the the deeds of bringing other sentient beings uh, uh, to uh, the state of Buddhahood. So it's necessary uh, um, uh, to understand all of the different paths for the Bodhisattva in order for him or her uh, to help sentient beings achieve their own needs pr or purpose. <laughs> Uh -huh. 
So we wouldn't say that uh, the continuum of the bodhisattva is the continuum of a hearer and of a solitary realizer and of a bodhisattva. We would say that it's the continuum of a bodhisattva, but that the teachings are shared in common with that continuum. So the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity and the teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity. Uh, so we would state that the hearer and solitary realizer would be some things that are shared in common, but we wouldn't state that they have the continuum of a hearer because they have the continuum of a bodhisattva. So we would find uh, so many common uh, things that are shared in common, even if we look at the uh, um, the Christian <coughs> tradition, um, and we look at generosity. Generosity is found in Buddhism, generosity is found in Christian tradition. So we would say that this is something that is in common, or shared in common with these traditions. Or, um, so the excellent qualities found within Hinduism, the excellent qualities found within Christianity, all of these excellent qualities we find uh, com um, uh, um, um, details that are common uh, to all the traditions. Huh. Oh, okay. And it's for this reason that we see His Holiness the Dalai Lama even sends uh, monks and nuns uh, to live for months or two months at a time in uh, Christian uh, or Hindu monasteries to be able to learn the various traditions. And then also what you see sometimes in Dharamsala, uh, the reversal of that process where uh, Hindu priests or Hindu uh, or Christian uh, uh, monks or nuns would come to Dharamsala to live to study the Buddhist tradition for a month or two. Uh, so we see this interchange of, uh, and this dialogue taking place is quite good and His Holiness the Dalai Lama uh, emphasizes this uh, um, uh, relation building and to be able to see these common um, uh, locuses uh, between religions. It's a great benefit to be able to study the, the, uh, what these religions have in common, what are the, to, to see the, the common threads, the common threads of all these religions. So uh, it looks like we're out of time, but again, we'll go through this text uh, very slowly. Uh, so that will complete the teaching for today. If we could turn to the prayer book.
um, uh, the section of the prayers after teachings. And then this evening, uh, well, I'll wait to the announcements afterwards, the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the heavenly realm of Tibet, surrounded by a chain of snow mountains, the source of all happiness and help for beings is Tenzin Yatso, ten resident persons. May his life be secure for hundreds of kalpas. I pray for the long life of the precious Tenzin Wanda, upholder of scriptural and realization doctrines, the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Teaching of Chikmatishabhikara. Teaching of Chikmatishabhikara.